Hi, this is Amy Beheimer, and you are listening to the Habit Hub for Autoimmune Health, Habit 5. Don't eat before sleep. Welcome to the Habit Hub for Autoimmune Health, a podcast to help you shift from managing autoimmune disease to creating autoimmune health using the power of everyday habits. I'm your host, Amy Beheimer, a coach and a doctor of pharmacy on a mission to create health and happiness with multiple sclerosis. Here, we focus on everyday lifestyle habits proven to help the mind and body heal from the cell up without sacrificing the true joys of life along the way. To create autoimmune health in the mind and body, you have to be great at one thing, the skill of mastering habits. That's why each episode includes everything you need to do just that. Evidence-based information and real-life inspiration from the experiences of my guests, my clients, and yours truly. All habit heroes brave enough to turn a desire for help into daily decisions to create it. Let's have some fun. Welcome back, my habit heroes. As I was preparing to hit record, just going over my notes on everything I wanted to cover for this episode, it stood out to me that I ask a lot of questions here, and I'm going to try to pause to give you time to answer them throughout the episode and future episodes as well. It's good to think of your answers to them. Writing them down is even better, and maybe even coming back to an episode that is particularly covering a habit that you may want to explore and make a reality. And that's really because it's a secret weapon of coaching, asking questions for you to go hunting for the answers inside your own brain. There is a ton of wisdom in there for you specifically, wisdom that you're not going to find on Google. Before we get started, I just wanted to say I may ask a lot of questions and I just want to put it out there that it may be worth it to really try to find your answers to them. So let's get started. By now, I'm hoping you know what the Habit Hub is and why it's the answer to creating health and happiness that we dream of. If you still haven't listened to episode one, or you just need a refresher, feel free to do that now or after this episode wraps up. Briefly, the spokes of the Habit Hub include mindset, food as medicine, movement as medicine, rest and relaxation, connection, and the good stresses. Today, our habit is not eating three hours before bed. Some habits actually are a win-win-win, meaning they benefit more than one spoke of the habit hub. The primary spoke that we're in here is rest and relaxation, because when I started to prepare this episode, I was thinking of all the sleep benefits that not eating three hours before bed can provide. But we're also going to be dipping into the food as medicine spoke and the good stress spoke, which we will get into why for each of these next. Now we're on the why. So why do we want to consider making this a habit? I have found that in working with clients and with the pharmacists that I get to lead in my work at the hospital, there can be a wide range of preferences in terms of how much detail people like in the why behind certain asks or certain habits. And a part of coaching is always trying to know yourself better so that you can approach change in a way that works for you not your friend or your partner, but you, because it will likely look different. When I start working with someone, I often have them take an assessment or two to help learn about themselves, and then we're able to use what we learn moving forward. 
it's amazing how many light bulbs go off and how much relief I see in people's faces when they realize that we're not going to be trying to apply cookie cutter solutions to these problems that we're trying to solve. So today, ask yourself if you find that you like all these details about why you should start a habit and how it helps your health. Or are you just waiting for me to get to the how? There's no right or wrong answer, but if you do find yourself getting motivated by this why segment of each episode, you may have a bit of a questioner in you. One of the four tendency types described by fellow lover of habit change science, Gretchen Rubin. So I'm going to touch on the three of the whys for the habit of not eating three hours before bedtime. Number one, the sleep benefits. It's well known that sleep is crucial to immune health. And we sleep best in a fasted state, so meaning not having food in our stomachs. Why is that? There are a lot of complex metabolic processes that happen after eating, and they can disrupt sleep. One of these is that it prevents our heart rate from dropping to its lowest point, which is usually during the first half of a good night's sleep. And if it remains high, it keeps us out of the most restorative sleep phases. So eating close to bedtime diverts the body's energy away from the power down mode that it needs. The second reason is related to our mitochondria, surprise, surprise, and energy benefits. The mitochondria needs at least a few hours after eating to finish up the work of digestion and start working on its other function, the repair and the regenerative work. Anytime we can increase the breaks that our body gets between meals, helps us improve our mitochondrial health, which is what we're after. I want to share, there's a post that I saw on social media several months ago, and it's kind of fascinating. It was a young couple that tracked their personal results from the top 10 sleep hygiene experiments for 30 days each. You may hear a lot about sleep hygiene. So there's all these recommendations, you know, don't look at blue light before bed, don't eat before bed, Make sure you see sun first thing in the morning and various things like that. So they tested out 10 different recommendations for 30 days each. This was over a long term. The powerful thing I want to mention is that the top intervention for both was the intervention of not eating three hours before bedtime. What a powerful testament to the value of combining the science plus the self to see what works best for you. So their list after number one was all over the map. They were very different for each person, but both of them had the same number one where they experienced an increased quality of sleep by not eating three hours before bedtime. The third why is if you're eating before bedtime, it's likely that you're not choosing the most nutrient-dense foods before bed. And if you are, then you can ignore this reason. But for most of us, we're not picking carrot sticks to eat before bed. There's a quote that nothing good happens after midnight, and I think that that could be extrapolated to nothing good happens when you're standing in front of the fridge after 9 p.m. or whatever that time is for you. So this is how this habit dips into the food as medicine spoke. There are benefits to eliminating potentially those foods that we go to late at night that maybe aren't the best for our health. People often see weight loss benefits as well. When we eat later, it reprimes our insulin pump, but since we're trying to wind down the calories that we're eating, they're less likely to be burned by our muscles and they're more likely to be stored as fat. So finishing eating by 6 or 7 p.m. gives us time to burn off calories before bed, 
balancing our blood sugar and keeping weight off. If your body is done burning or storing, it's a cue to produce growth hormone, which maintains muscles and keeps fat in check. Okay, so now we've covered the what, we've covered the why. Let's go on to the how. For the how, first we need to get specific on the problem that we're asking the brain to solve. Eating before bed is too broad and too vague. Let me explain a little clearer. Habit expert BJ Fogg calls it the ability chain. What he means by that is that he breaks down obstacles into five categories that when we're having trouble making a habit, it's usually because of one of these five reasons. In working through countless habits for myself and with others, I've tweaked these five and added to them to reflect what I see most in people like us, people with autoimmune disease who want to make changes for their health. This is a tool to pull out and use whenever you're working on a habit. And I'm going to cover a few of them in a moment, but it's just good to know that getting specific in what the actual problem is by using these obstacles is how we do it. And usually we pull this out at the beginning stages of a habit, but really any time is helpful because the problem that we're trying to solve can evolve over time. So for today's habit, we're trying to create a gap between eating and sleep. I'm going to highlight a few of these specific problems that may need to be solved. This gives you a little taste of what may be worked through in a coaching session. It's less about the what and the why, and it's more about the how. First up could be knowledge. That one may be solved right here or right now. Maybe you didn't know the positive impact that this habit could have, so the barrier was just knowing or knowledge. Another obstacle that comes up with a lot of habits is money. With this, you'll likely agree that money is not going to be the obstacle for not eating prior to bedtime for most of us. Actually, we may actually save money by not eating snacks that we would have to have in the house. But I include that here to show you that for each habit, the problem may look different. The two I'm going to touch on are time and allowing urges, which I'll explain in a minute. Time. If you're hearing this habit of waiting three hours after eating to go to bed, and you're thinking, life is way too busy to get home, cook, feed my family, eat, and have hours before bed, then time may be the barrier for you. The first question to ask yourself is, is this something you want to make a reality? And if at this point in life, the answer is no, then it's going to be a lot harder to create the motivation to make it happen. You'll be fighting against one of the two habit change maxims, which is making change you most want to make. If the answer to the question of, is this something you want to make a reality? Yes. Then solving for the specific problem of time becomes your work. This is your chance to grow. When we say we want balance, what that really boils down to is making decisions about what you say yes to and what you say no to. To add something to an already full day, which let's be honest, we all have full days. Very few of us have extra time just lying around. It may mean saying no to some things or thinking about things differently and then doing things differently. It may mean not letting great be the enemy of good and taking small steps to inch towards your desired goal. Maybe the kid's soccer schedule means you can't do this every day, but you start with one day per week. Or maybe it means starting with doing whatever it takes to move dinner up just 30 minutes. It may mean making sacrifices in some area, 
And only you can decide if that's something you want. Getting really clear that decisions will need to be made is the starting point if we're trying to solve the problem of time. The second problem that we may need to solve is what I refer to as the problem of allowing urges. This can be thought of as the need to retrain your brain. Your brain has many, many habits, and it's been doing things a certain way for a really long time. So it's understandable that it may need some training. Imagine you finish dinner at 6, you have the best of intentions to head to bed at 9 or 10, successfully creating that three-hour gap between food and sleep. But 8 p.m. rolls around, you're watching an episode of Ted Lasso, and your brain reminds you it's time for your nighttime snack. It reminds you that you need something sweet before bed. Is that true? If you haven't listened to episode two yet, I highly recommend you go back and listen. Because in that episode, we go into the habit of questioning if what we think is true. But getting back to this habit, you have that urge to eat something, to change the plan that you set after listening to today's episode. The problem to be solved in that case is to allow that urge to be there without reacting to it. It's a skill, it takes time, and it's probably one of the most useful skills I learned from my coach. Because the process of allowing urges is the same for all types of urges. An urge to skip exercise or an urge to overwork, for example. So it's important to acknowledge that habits around food can be tough. Food is deeply ingrained in us. It's a communal act and we have well-worn tracks in our brains. And often we've paired, which that's a habit strategy we've talked about before, we've paired eating with a nighttime activity. Habit strategies are always at play, so it can be really powerful to identify which of those are enforcing habits that we currently have. And the term emotional eating is marked as a bad thing, but really it's what humans do. If you think of when we're babies and we're crying, babies are soothed by mother's milk. It's labeled the problem when really emotional eating is your brain's solution to a problem. Let's say you're feeling bored at night, have a snack. The problem is you're bored. The solution is you eat. If you're feeling stressed, chocolate may help. The problem is stress. The solution is eating. We are all emotional creatures, so it's worth considering if responding to emotions that feel like a problem with the solution of food, does that serve our greater good or our greater health? What other ways could we get comfort? What other solutions are there? Taste is just one of our five senses. There are four others that we can tap into. Maybe a warm bath, maybe a cup of tea, maybe calling your best friend. Our bodies are desensitized to the dopamine spikes of these activities because we have been so used to some concentrated foods and concentrated connection with social media and things like that. We tend to train our brains to go to those for our answers, but we can just as easily retrain our brains to get pleasure and to experience the benefits of dopamine from these other types of sensations. When you get to your fridge at night, you ask yourself, am I hungry? What do I need? Two good questions to consider. And funnily enough, when food habits impact sleep, poor sleep impacts food habits the next day. It's really an endless loop. It affects our hormones and sets us up for cravings, making good food choices feel tougher. But the good news is the reverse is true as well. When food habits support our sleep and our rest and our relaxation, 
then sleep supports good food choices. The two healthy patterns feed off of each other. It's good to ask, is the short-term discomfort of skipping that nighttime snack worth the long-term benefits? And because stories are how we learn, I'm going to share my story with this habit. I'm going to call it my cereal story. If you know me well, you know most of my life I love cereal. And I love it out of a mug and I love it in bed. So almost every night I would eat cereal in my mug in bed. Loved it. Love, love, love. So the idea that helped me the most was the idea that there was a cost to pay. I could either pay that cost in the now, which was not having what I wanted, not eating that cereal, not enjoying that dopamine hit from that bowl of cereal, or the cost later, which was worse sleep, feeling crappy after overeating, knowing I wasn't making good food choices. So good habits cost now, bad habits cost later with compound interest. I really just asked myself, when did I want to pay the cost? I choose and I still choose to pay that immediate discomfort because while I don't think of that mug of cereal anymore, 99 days out of 100, because I've retrained my brain in that area, sometimes I do still have that where, ooh, I want a cereal in a mug in bed and I remember these tools and I use them. And I know one mug would lead to two mugs and you know the rest. That's our human brain doing what it does. It seeks pleasure. You know, there are tracks in our brain that are worn, well-worn, and so we just want to create new ones. Nothing has gone wrong with my brain or yours, no matter what you are reaching for. There you have it. The what, not eating three hours before bedtime. The why, one, better sleep. Two, good stress and the mitochondrial benefits that comes with it. And three, possibly eliminating a regular habit of eating foods that don't add to our health and maybe even harm it. And with the last piece of this was the how. So get really specific about what problem needs to be solved to make it happen and try one of our tools to make it happen. And just a reminder, making and breaking habits frees up decision-making energy. That's why we're here. We are trying to design our evenings where this becomes the norm and it does get easier. We retrain our brain. And the goal is to make this an action that's running on autopilot. After the learning comes the doing. First, ask yourself, how am I doing with this currently? Maybe it's already a habit for you and you can celebrate how you made it, even if it was on accident. If it's not, and you've been inspired by the what and the why behind how it serves our autoimmune bodies, or if you're empowered by the how that I shared, decide if this is something worth setting an intention to pursue. What do you think is your problem to solve? Start there. Brainstorm ways to inch closer to your goal in a way that works for you, for your life, while of course considering what the research says to improve your chances for success. And if you want a little help along the way, come find me and explore what that could look like for you. As always, I'm going to end with a quote. This one's from Brendan Bouchard. First, it is an intention, then a behavior, then a habit, then a practice, then it's second nature, then it is simply who you are. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Habit Hub. I am forever grateful for the time, energy, and attention you share with me. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode where I might just cover the habit your body has been waiting for. 
Check out www.amybeheimercoaching.com for more free resources, as well as details on how to take the information, inspiration, and insight you learned today and apply it to create autoimmune health and happiness in your life. Get in touch at amy at amybeheimercoaching.com. Special thanks to my editor, Sarah. The Habit Hub is a production of Amy Beheimer Coaching, LLC. Talk soon. Thank you.